We are rocking here at Real Tales from the Bar Side. This is the podcast where we talk about the shit that goes on in the bar, in the restaurant, with people who own the bar, own the restaurant, run the bar, run the food, do everything and see everything. Don't ever do something or say something that you don't want seen, especially in New York at the bar, because we're watching and talking about it here on Real Tales from the Bar Side. Welcome to another episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. My name is Matt Flynn. I am your host. And I have a special guest this week. I've had the pleasure bartending at, as I've mentioned, the two-door tavern on the Upper East Side for about three and a half years. I've met some cool people, and one of which is a 30-year journeyman stand-up comedian who's been kicking ass in New York for a long time. Uh, Right now, he's going around the country, opening up for Ron White, and doing all kinds of other amazing things around New York. Uh, Give it up, Vic Henley. Yay me! Hey hey hey! <laughs> Thanks for give, coming in. Give man. Kathleen Kathleen Madigan. I'm all, if you're gonna if you're gonna drop the name of the other comic. So oh hell yeah I, I'm, yeah! I'm, it's both. I've been splitting my time with uh, two thirty year friends. Awesome. So, Kathleen yes. Madigan and Ron White. Yes. I uh, I thought Kathleen that run was done, but you're still out. No, with no, I'm her, still right? I'm I'm with her at the end of the month. We're going to Indianapolis, Grand Rapids, and Traverse City. Oh cool, nice man. I didn't know that. Same Michigan in late Charlotte. January. It's everybody's dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want to do. Got to stay warm somewhere. Might as well be in a comedy club. <laughs> right. So. You've seen some crazy shit over the years, a lot of which we've talked about at length, and I'm sure there's plenty we haven't at comedy sure. clubs. And that's the thing. Like, barside tales don't just extend to the water and hold down the street. Well, the comedy club is a bar. Yeah. And, and every comic will tell you that's how we are treated the same as the nacho sauce. You know, <laughs> they, they could care less about us. We are we are an item that's for sale. It is the bar world, it's per se, you know. And so it's the same thing. Yeah, drunks and, and rowdiness and, and craziness, no matter what kind of bar it is, there's always something going on. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's all kinds of shit. we got to get a cocktail waitress in at some point from a comedy club, too. I think that would be hilarious. Well, that, that's, you know, that's one of the, the great... Every comic will tell you, uh, if you get the grizzled veteran comedy club waitress to say, good set, or that was a good joke, that's just like... That's like the greatest orgasmic display. That's all you ever want to hear because they've seen and heard it all. They've had all the humor beaten out of them. Some of these girls have been working at these clubs 20, 25 years. And so they, they know specific names. You know, like a guy like Greg Warren's a friend of mine who's a comic. And he's like, B in St. Louis told me good set the other night. I almost had a goddamn heart attack. <laughs> and I know exactly who he's talking about. I'm like, B gave you a compliment? And he's like, yes. Can you believe it? I'm like, B never says shit. You know, so... It's like an inside comedy thing. You should get a cocktail waitress. Hell yeah. No, I'd here. love to. Because they are just, yeah, they, they've seen it, done it, you know, everything, every angle you could imagine, you know. It's, I've always heard if you can make your mother laugh, you've won. Well, I, I've lost them because yeah. I've never made my mom. My mom, my mom doesn't think I'm funny. I just, I just saw her over the Christmas holidays. And like I was telling a, a mutual friend of ours, she always goes, you're not funny. You're just rude. It's rude. I don't know why people laugh at this or encourage that. It's not really good. I don't like it. But I guess it seems to work for you. But I, I've never, I hardly ever make her laugh. But that's the kind of compliment, not even compliment, comment you'd get from somebody you've just met. The fact that you're getting that from mom's pretty wild. Oh, well, she's always been that way. She she likes watching everyone else. She'll admit, like, well, I, I like sitting there watching everyone laugh at you. 
I don't really like it. It's not my cup of tea. What is? What's your humor? You, you know, I don't silliness. Old, we're from Alabama, so she likes country. Literally, she would like going to Six Flags. You know, like Great Adventure, and uh, and the guy comes out with like the big baggy pants and like clown shoes, something like <laughs> something okay. exactly like that, something over the top silly. Okay. You, you know, over super wacky. Yeah, she's pretty straight laced. All know? right, so the super zany stuff that makes sense why she might think you're rude though, but she must think every. Everybody in a comedy club in New York's rude. Then oh, she she's terrified and won't come anymore. She, when she comes to visit me, I don't I don't bring her to the club anymore. Even though people want to meet her and like to talk to her, she uh, she's just seen enough of it. It's crazy. But then she, but then she'll if the homeless dude starts peeing on the street, she'll just go over to him and tell him to stop. <laughs> <laughs> How many sons? Uh, three boys. I'm yeah. the youngest. Yeah, so I have two older brothers. Yeah. Once you once you've got three sons and you're from the south, I think that's mom. She runs around scolding everybody. And they were crazy hellraisers. So I'm very easy compared to the two of them. She had God knows. She, I mean, they're pushing naked women out windows when she's coming home from work, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's cars on blocks in our yard. They're always working on something. It's just a typical. And she's it's one, it's a single mom raising three boys. And so, yeah, she was running around. All she was trying to do was, you know, get a paycheck and, you know, Relax, smoke a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> so you mentioned you're from the South, and I think that's kind of, especially since we're doing a lot of New York shit here, what's one of the craziest stories you have from a Southern bar? What? Oh, well, there was the, the one place there was live music in our town, and, uh, and he recently reopened after being closed many, many years, and the dude's name was D Ford, D-E-E. Ford. Okay, and what town is it? It's Anniston, Alabama. D, okay. D Ford's, and you have the metal detector when you go in because people would take guns and knives in there. It's a risky place. People were there was always a stabbing or a shooting in the alley around the corner. It was so you, both the big double doors going into the main place you had metal detectors. So okay. make sure everything was safe and happy. And, uh, and D Ford had one hit back in like the seventies and maybe only a regional hit, but it was called, I want to do beautiful things to you. And so <laughs> didn't and make it to Massachusetts every, every night. D Ford would, whatever band was, you had to learn his song and then he would get up and, 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 and sing his song to see if he could still pick up some chicks or something. <laughs> so whatever band that he had hired to play had to stop their set and play his song and let him sing. I'm going to do beautiful things. <laughs> so it was a rough place and a weird place and uh, they did they tried to stand up in there for about a minute all right and Foxworthy is uh, is in town and he's he's telling me he goes I'm going to your hometown and I'm like, oh my, you're, you're going to do comedy in D4? <laughs> you're you're going to get killed. So don't go, no. Don't do that. Especially his brand, because he's so fucking clean cut. And this is early on. So this is way before the, you might be a redneck stuff. He's just, it's the kind of gig that you would do as an up-and-coming comic. It's a one-nighter in Anniston, Alabama on probably like a Thursday. And they're probably going to give him $250 for the night, you know. Mm -hmm. And so my mom... Uh, the aforementioned, uh, she, the department store she worked at for 30 years is right across the street from D Forge, across this alley. And so I tell Fox Lawyer, I'm like, look, well, at least I go, go a little bit early and go in there and talk to Gloria for a minute. She loves you. Go in there and see her. And she's, she always like, why can't you be more like him? He's going to be successful. This is really, I mean, you, I don't understand why you have to say all those horrible things. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, so. He stops in to see my mom, and, and they're visiting, and then she can't believe it either. She's like, what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm going to do stand-up in D4. And she goes, oh, don't do that. Don't go in there. People get killed in there. And he goes, it's going to be okay. And So he goes in, and, 
they said there's like the place probably seats you know 400 so but there's probably a couple hundred he said two 250 people in there and they're, and they're sitting at tables and they're watching and so it's not that rowdy it actually works out okay does great and uh and so he walks off stage and it's pretty harmless a couple of drunks yelled at him but that was about it and d ford himself comes over in the middle of all the audience and just walks right up to him and goes okay let's see that was uh 250 dollars right 20 40 60 80 and just starts counting out the money right there in front of all all the, the roughneck hillbilly peckerwoods right and so they're all he says with every 20 they're giving him foxworthy said he can just see them they're just burning a hole through him you know as they're handing him all this money so so d ford finishes pats him on the back and goes well good job so maybe we'll have you again in a few months that seemed to go well i'll call the agency and slaps him on the back turns around and walk off and fox really said like 11 dudes immediately went you shoot pool because <laughs> 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 we shoot pool and we shoot pool for money in here and fox really goes do i shoot pool i'm goddamn amazing at pool and as a matter of fact, my sticks in my car right <laughs> no, now. He's too smart for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go to my car. I'll be rack them up. <laughs> Do I I'll be pool? right back. I'm, I'm, I swear to God. He said he hit the parking lot. He, he ran to his car, jumped in the car, and hauled us out of town. You know? Damn. With, with all the money and uh, and his ass not whipped. You that's, know, but, that's a total Blues Brothers moment, man. Like a right. good old boy's <laughs> That's but what that's, I'm picturing in my head. We still laughed to this. When we saw him last year on Nantucket. Yeah. He still, because he, he still, he said as soon as he turned around, like a wall of men. You shoot poo? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Well, shit, he's coming up. What, what 80s? Yeah, it would have been like 86. And $250 in your hometown cash. Oh, yeah. It's probably going to get some Oh, they'd kill you in D-Fords for that in a second. That's they, they crazy. Would, right, you know. At least they tried to go honest at first. Try to hustle before Rob, before stick up. No, they said, yeah, we shoot pool and we shoot it for money. They were telling him straight up, I'll be right back. Let me go. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure a lot of those guys shot more than pool. I didn't know he was like, oh, yeah. There yeah. Was, it was a crazy. They had a, there was a stairwell that went downstairs to the, to a lounge. Mm-hmm. And um, and for some reason or another, they took out the stairwell. D Ford did. So you, if you wanted to go to the lounge, you had to go outside the big main room where the live music played. And you had to walk around the alley, and go down and through like a fire door, and go in there. And there were like a table and chairs in there. And so you know, I was telling my mom over Christmas because we were talking about D Ford's, and. The boyfriend that I ran off, my mom had a boyfriend and I just hated him and I made it my mission to just run this son of a bitch off. I just couldn't stand him. So he'd come in the house and I was just rude. I'm like 12 and I'm just being the biggest little fucker <laughs> that you can possibly be. And when I was in college, I came out of the big D Fords and was going to go around down to the lounge and kind of chill for a second. And here he is, the dude that I had run off like 10 years earlier. And I was 22 at then and out of college. And, and I, I walked over to him and I'm like, Lawrence Ramsey, you pile of shit, <laughs> human being. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, he's, and these two dudes are sitting there, they're just sitting there smoking cigarettes and having a beer. And they're like, who's this kid that just walked in here and laid into you? And I'm like, I'll tell you, don't get up, dick. <laughs> Hey, seated. Best thing that ever happened to us was I ain't seen you in forever. My mom got remarried. He's a real cool guy, not like you, dick. I just kept yelling at him. So I think this is how we connected. I think this is how we got along in the you first know, place. It's no, just every time I say if I tell the D anything related to D fours, I always remember the lounge story because I got to call him an asshole one more time. Yeah. After because he was he wasn't nice to my mom. So yeah. He, yeah. He was like a little bit of a player. And hey. I knew it. I knew it. My mom's like, he's a nice guy. I'm like, no, he's not. Just because he bought me a stereo. I'm keeping the stereo. He's still an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and that's mom, man. 
And we've you talked know. about that. Single moms, like that's you don't fuck with that. No, no, she's crazy. You I get, was talking to her the other day. She's she's been snowed in the rare Alabama snow in. Are you so, shouldn't mean this year. It's yeah, snowing? yeah, just about okay. a week ago. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so her and her, her driveway's on kind of a hill, slanted, and it just gets like a sheet of ice on it. And so now she's just in their cabin fever watching the Hallmark Channel. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, over and over and over. That's and a over. special kind of hell. <laughs> What's snowed in there? Three inches? Seriously? Is yeah, that like, yeah. Yeah. An ice storm or something. Because Atlanta yeah. had like an inch and a half last year. Oh, and yeah. It was and they like a full scale city shot. I was down. there for that. Yeah. I was there. We, I was with Kathleen Madigan and we were in Macon, Georgia. And then we came up to Atlanta for the middle of that. And then you would have thought. They don't know what to do. They have no trucks. They don't know wow. how to handle it. It's like, it's frozen water from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do with this? How do we solve this problem yes. on a citywide scale? It's ridiculous. Well, it's like when I lived in Arizona and it rained. Phoenix, Arizona is a major city and they don't have proper drainage. So, you know, just like storm drains and stuff. So if it rains and stuff, it's like literally like a snowstorm in Atlanta or something like that. They really, they keep their kids home from school. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Come on. I mean, it wasn't like it was the first city developed in the country, for Christ's sake. Well, you it's, the put some it's the desert. It's the Fucking irrigation and drainage. Just get it all hooked up. Ugh. So, all right. That's crazy shit about D-Forge. D-Forge. And, you know, kudos to you for calling out the guy you ran off by name, too. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's my favorite sideline, Dean Fountain. It's calling out Lawrence Ramsey in the That's lounge. a big win, man. D. Fords. That's there was great. All, D. Ford, he, they ran, he would run for mayor every year just to aggravate everybody. And, and it would be like, you always, he would say, he would be like worse than Trump. He would be like cussing during the campaign, just doing everything. And it's a straight-laced town. So people are running for, they got the whole church angle. And he's literally, you know, to hell with church. That's what his campaign posters would say, stuff like that, just to annoy everybody. Pay out of pocket. Oh, so, yeah, he spent all his own money, just basically just to annoy everybody. He would, every few years, would run just to be a thorn in their side. Just I so. kind of respect it. It was, we all thought yeah. it was hilarious growing up. It is. You know, we it's a riot. It was really, really funny because he didn't care, you know. That's so. a fucking hell. And he's now reopened. I said, I was home over the Christmas holidays and I saw a girl I went to high school with and she goes, you know, D4 put a new place out there on 431. <laughs> Damn. Highway 431. Yeah, Highway 4. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay, all right. So when did you come to New York? I came to New York in um, in 85. And was that your first? No, you were in L.A., weren't you? No, no. I came to New York. I was here from 85 to 92, and then uh, Foxwood and I sold a TV show to CBS, and we were out there from 92 to 96. Okay. Almost five years, and I came back here. So Let, I've been, I was here for seven, left for five, and then back for another 20-something. Okay, so. let's let's rock chronology because New York was a special kind of place. From what I understand, I wasn't here in late '80s, early '90s. Oh man, I told people, and I always ended up on my first apartment um, was Midtown, 44th Street, between six and seven. So I'm right there off Times Square practically, and it was dirty, nasty, you know, porn theater, stinky cop on a horseback type of people openly smoking joints. You know, somebody's murdering somebody five feet over there. They're not going to get you for smoking a joint. You know, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Odd. But, uh, but really cool. So I lived with, um, I moved in with all these flight attendants. So I lived with five women in a one bedroom. Are you and, shitting me? No, And no. they were just constantly on rotation? Yeah, yeah, they were always the going. They, okay. they had two sets of bunk beds in the one bedroom. So what? four of them, had everybody been home, four of them would have slept in there. And then I slept on the pullout couch. And there was a folding screen that was supposed to be a little dining area. And the other girl put a twin bed. So it was me and five women for almost two years. Nine different women lived there with me. Uh, because they none of them liked it. They were all from Kansas or Oklahoma, and they would have to be sent here because that's where American Airlines made you go. 
But after three months, you could put in a transfer and get sent to almost anywhere you wanted to go, and nobody ever stayed. Yeah. So I was con so by the end, within six or eight months, my name's on the lease. So I'd have to talk to all of them to see who I wanted to let live there. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. I'm roaming around. I'm roaming around the bars and the comedy clubs. I always have like five girls with me at all times. You know. So all the old school <laughs> comics that hated me because they didn't think I was funny. I'm just throwing women at them right and left. <laughs> <laughs> I will make you appreciate me for one reason or oh, another. Oh, I'm not funny. Yeah. <laughs> take these three fucking flight attendants. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Who's funny now? I still remember Dennis Miller was the last one to fall. <laughs> you know. I'd imagine he was a tough one to win. Too. Well, he was doing Saturday Night Live at the time, so so he my was, favorite weekend. Yeah, yeah, he guy. was one of the best weekend updates ever, and uh, and so he was a tough nut to crack because he's on television every week, you know. And, yeah, and he'd come in the clubs and practice his weekend update jokes on note cards before he would do it on the Saturday show. So he's just bopping around the comedy clubs and you know. Smart. Oh yeah, totally. yeah. So Seinfeld was easy. Seinfeld was super easy because he always liked girls. So it's like, <laughs> you know, Vic, I'll see uh, what's the deal with all the girls you brought in these women here. Well, I don't understand. Uh, I saw you yesterday. You didn't have any women with you at all today. You got five women with. You. Okay, Jerry, fine. Just take one. Just, <laughs> just, <whatever. laughs> oh man, that's that's one of the better Seinfeld impressions. I love that. Oh, I used to, Gilbert Godfrey used to go on stage, and uh, he would Jerry would be on stage at, at, sometimes at Catch a Rising Star, and Gilbert would just walk up on stage next to him and start doing him, and they would do he would do it to Richard Belzer and Jerry, and it would be dueling Belzers or dueling Seinfelds, and neither one of them minded Belzer nor Jerry either minded. I I can't believe you're on the stage. I can't believe you're on the stage. <laughs> just go back and forth. <laughs> Always very entertaining. I would love that shit. I have so many friends that are just wildly unique. Court, you're one of them. You know, we love to do a court impression from time to time. It's phenomenal. Sure. And it's just kind of, I always felt left out because nobody had a really good me impression. But I had some of my buddies in L.A. This I got what I wished for, man. I got all kinds of Flint impressions. Oh, David Spade uh, can do me better than anyone I've ever seen do me. He does really? me. But not, nobody knows who I am, so it doesn't matter. But Spade... <laughs> It's flawless. It's so good. I would make him do it for Chris Rock, and Chris Rock would just laugh his ass off all the time because they, they knew each other a little bit. And then I saw Rock one night at the cellar, and he didn't know I knew Spade. And I'm like, oh, he does the best me ever. And so Rock just called him immediately on the phone and goes, do Henley. And he just right, went right into it. Hadn't seen him in seven or eight years. And he went right, oh, God, he's totally standing He just jumped just in. Just like me. Yes. That's a trip. So, I could picture him doing a good you. Spade, he did a lot of impressions when, in his early comic. He, he, uh, he had props. But Spade, Spade did, um, he, um, he did a Casey Kasem impression, was one of the things he did. He, uh, he did the Band de Soleil commercial for some reason. He enjoyed putting on this fake French accent and Band de Soleil for the Saint-Tropez. <laughs> <laughs> he would just say that over and over and over. <laughs> so, and he had, some, he had a box of stuff. He literally would go on stage with this little box of, you know, toys and take out various props and do things with them, you know, and... Uh, it was totally weird. He would sing, he would sing, uh, he would do Casey Kasem and then he would sing, uh, he had a whole thing about corn and he would sing uh, uh, Corn in the USA by Springsteen and he would sing uh, Stalker, Stalker Corn, Stalker Corn <laughs> instead of Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, right. Corn. Gloria must have loved him. It's, oh, oh, she thought, yeah. oh yeah, then he would moonwalk. <laughs> he would moonwalk with his little ear of corn. Oh yeah, my mom thought it was, my, yeah, again, my mom, Every time she saw him. Now, this is entertaining. 
goofy fun. It's yes. goo. It's the Six Flags guy. That image, by the way, is never going to leave my head. Whenever I think of Gloria and what she finds funny, it's going to be the Six Flags guy. Well, she loved the, the late great Kevin Meany, you know, out of the Boston yep. scene forever. Yeah. He's big and loud and silly and a ton of energy and acting out all the characters in the We Are the World video and weird stuff like that. And she saw me with him at Caroline's years ago and... He's he's so frenetic and he's all over the place and so at the end of the at the end of the night she said oh I finally figured it out now I know why you're not doing as well you're not trying you need to try as hard as he does and then maybe you'd have the same results and she was equating just how fast you work or the pace with that's trying hard. exactly so, yeah, yeah so, you're really putting effort yeah, in yeah she would think Stephen Wright is the laziest comedian <laughs> <laughs> who happens to be one of my who happens to be favorites. hilarious right? yeah. but that's what I'm saying she was just totally tying together the same speed with uh, that's how well you do. And I'm like, no, that's just meaning. That's how it I, it's, it's always funny. I think my mom stopped doing it, but it's always funny when mothers like, cause they mean well, they're trying to equate success to something that they it really isn't attributed to at all in your all industry. Right, cause right. they don't know. No, of course they, they don't. don't know, no, no. But they want to be helpful. So well, I can't believe like... you just can't call up old David Letterman and tell him to put you on the show. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I didn't think of that mother. You're absolutely right. I'm you gonna, know, I'm you gonna... know, you're really good. You're really good, and I, I don't see why you're not getting more work. <laughs> is, that, is that what your mom... Yeah. I, early on, early on, she's gotten it now. She's gotten it now, I think, a little bit, because she's known the struggles of this business and how it works and doesn't. It's it, But early on, it was kind of funny like that. Yeah, yeah they don't understand. You know, they don't. Nobody you know. does, unless you're in this world. You don't get, And I think that's the point of everything we're doing here with the bar, is that people go to bars, they sure. go to restaurants, but they don't necessarily understand how the fuck they function or how dysfunctional they are. It puts the fun in dysfunction. It does. <laughs> You're it totally, totally right. does. That's yeah, sure. completely. And it's not just the people who come in. It starts in, in the belly of the beast and oh, God, bleeds yeah. out. Oh, sure. Absolutely. We've talked a bunch about the Uptown and before it became the Tudor Tavern, how it was just fucking crazy town. And yes, it, was it was crazy town because everybody that was in charge was just at a point in their lives where they were wilding out, running a pretty successful business, and it bled into staff members that wanted to wild out yep. and get nuts. Oh, yeah. And that attracted crazy fucking patrons that wanted to wild out and <laughs> go ape shit. No, I know. Lots of crazy stuff happened to me in there. You know, I was threatened more than once. So, yeah, you've been up there. Let's jump back to, I want to go to uh, to L.A. for a little while right. first, but we got to get to Uptown, too, sure. once you moved to New York. So, L.A.'s a totally different bird I just got back from a, a little mini trip, and it's. I'm actually loving it now. I didn't care for it as much when I was younger, but I think I need the calm down. Did you find anything? I mean, you're in New York in the 80s and 90s. Did you ever see anybody stabbed? Anybody like crazy bottled? Anything? I, no, I saw uh, a couple of times. I saw um, I saw a mugger. I saw the crowd circle around him until the cop got there and threw him on the ground. I, I the first time I saw it, I heard literally it was like a little old lady, and I was in Midtown. And it was wasn't even. Probably seven o'clock at night during the summer, so it's not even dark or anything. And I, hear, I literally hear, "Oh my God!" And and you and I look up, and halfway up the block, uh, they've grabbed her purse and knocked her husband down on the ground. And the dude, and he's run across the street. By the time the old lady yells, random pedestrians circle up around the guy, and the old lady's yelling, "Police! Police! Police!" And you know, and and they just sort of formed, a, you know, almost like linking arms kind of thing. And he would sort of run at them, and they would just kind of. 
bring the circle in against him and nobody tried to do anything, but they weren't gonna let him get away either. And then by the time you counted to 30, here comes a cop running from, you know, up, up on the corner, blowing his whistle and running straight into it. Jumps right in the middle of it, throws the guy on the ground, got the cuffs on him, got him to his feet, walks over, hands the purse back to the little old lady. And, here we all fall, go to jail. Wow. <laughs> and it was, it I'm was literally seamless? sitting there on a park bench eating a slice going, oh my God, I love this town. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got to love it. You have to. the thing ever. But the crazy shit is that, and that was seamless, right? The cop just kind of like, matter of fact, this is oh, yeah. what we do, sort of yeah, like absolutely. old school, hit you over the head with the Billy Club oh, and drag you Basically, out. yeah. Need him right in the back, took him straight down, you know, and then that, yeah, had him, before you know it, had him up, hands behind the back, walking him, you know, here comes a car and now we're going to jail. That's crazy because... That's in the 80s or 90s. Sure. I got a night off. I think I was shooting um, something like a, a motion capture project I'm not allowed to talk about. I've never signed more fucking NDAs in my life. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous shit in the planet, but apparently it, it means something to these people. So that's all I'll say for the project. But I wrapped late enough. I had to get somebody to cover my shift on a Friday. So now I'm home at like 7.30 in the summer in Brooklyn, and it's beautiful out. And I haven't had a Friday off in years. And I'm right. I, like, there's couples walking through the street, birds chirping. I'm like, it's beautiful. Look at what New York's become. And I get up to my apartment and I look out the balcony and I'm just kind of admiring it. And I hear pop, pop. I look down, broad daylight. There's a dude shooting a gun over his shoulder, running out of TD Bank. Oh, God. For his car <laughs> that is going wildly fast in, re in reverse down a side street. The driver is just doing, I don't know what. They positioned it poorly, whatever the hell they did. Good God. But I'm like, it's still fucking New York is my oh, yeah. point. The 80s, now it's New York. And that's why I give people shit. Remember we went off about the flip-flops? You're like, I wear fucking flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> We're not editing that. We're not editing that. I got a finger in the air from court as though I'd gone too far topically. And it turns out the man just had a false alarm with a sneeze. Yeah, he's okay. It's phenomenal. I, the, the first time I heard gunfire here was the late 80s and uh, coming out of a bar down in the village. And I heard bang, bang, bang. And uh, bang, bang, bang again. And I, I, I walk like an idiot. I go walking towards it to try to figure out what was going on. And these cops had pulled their cruiser over down by, by a big row of dumpsters behind these bars and restaurants. And they were sitting on the hood of the car just shooting rats just for fun. No shit. They were just sitting there taking practice <laughs> shooting wow. rats. And I come walking up and I'm like, what's up, guys? And they're like, they, and they said, you're the only idiot in New York City that walks towards gunfire. And I'm like, well, I didn't know what was, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. It sounded, I didn't know y'all had a shooting gallery going on down here. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, move along, idiot. <laughs> they're counting on people to run away from frankly, it. smoking butts. Wow, wow. You know, <laughs> there you go. He got it out. He got it out, ladies and gentlemen. Round of applause. Thanks, Gordon. Shooting galley, the only idiot that walks towards gunfire. Now they got a bank on that. Everybody's just going to walk away. We can do whatever the totally, fuck right, we want. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's also how rough it was. You know, at my 86th Street subway stop up on the Upper East Side, when you got off up there in the mid to late 80s, there was a cop on a horse sitting there, you know, and it all smelled like weed and pee. It, it was nasty. There was a know. crazy section of uh, Chinatown in Boston called the Combat Zone. I don't know if you did gigs in Boston or the 80s, 90s, oh, yeah, but yeah, like sure. the, the Combat Zone was like a fucking microcosm of that, of that era. And I was young. I mean, I was definitely intrigued by all that shit sure. at like 8, 9, 10, 11 when I would go into the city and see it. My pupils would dilate and I'd be like, this is, oh, I like this, whatever oh, it is. Yeah. But it, before I could have too much fun with it, 
it, they cleaned it up. It's, it was so much easier to clean up Boston than New York based on size sure. alone. Right. And I think Benino kind of came in and just yeah, straightened the, it out. The, when I lived with the flight attendants for a couple of years, I walked over to a bar on 50th and 10th. It's, it's still there. I don't know what it's called you know, now, but I think it was called like Roberts, something like some family name. And uh, had a little garden in the back, but they were just—they were selling weed and coke over at the bar. No you just shit. walked in there and ordered a beer, and, and if you, if the beer, he go two dollars, and if you wanted some weed, you just you know put the twenty down and go keep the change, <laughs> and he'd come back and give you a little packet of weed, and then if you wanted blow, you had to leave like two twenties, and say keep the change or what. But I never, my friends told me that, and I'm—I I was fascinated. I couldn't get over there. I didn't want either. I just wanted the experience. I'm like, you're really telling me. That in New York City, I get to walk in this bar right here, and this guy's going to hand me weed over the bar, just like a store. And they're like, yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. <laughs> but that's kind of fucking crazy to me, having just come back from L.A., the weed shit there. And it's just like Venice Beach, anywhere you're just driving down Sunset, Melrose, side streets, there's dispensaries everywhere now. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, you want weed? There's nothing shady. There's nothing that you got to do except walk the fuck in, show your ID, and then pick a brand. Sure. And it's... Is blow gonna go that way next? Probably not. But I, I mean, think when you so. think about it, it's kind of like it, it, compared to the times where people were doing fucking twenty five to life for weed. Oh, I know. Now it's just kind of like, yeah, we changed our mind. No big well, deal. the cop told a friend of mine when we were living out there in the nineties, and he walked up on a bunch of my buddies. They just finished a joint and threw it away, and he walked up on them and caught them smoking them. He goes, who's got the weed on him? And I'm like, nobody. That was it. We just finished it. There's none. You know, they <laughs> stomped out. And the one guy was going, I didn't smoke. And he's going, look. And, and he was like, I'll only get mad at you for lying to me. He goes, it's California. It's just pot. And he was just real casual about it. And this was 20 years ago. Damn. And, you know, so they were already, they don't care. They already have bigger fish to yeah. fry. Yeah. But you fuck, who doesn't have bigger fish to fry? It's it's like, I don't know, man. I hate to quote like old comic bits, but you know me and Hicks. I'm always try, like, and oh, everything sure. reminds me of a Bill Hicks bit. Sure. And it's just kind of like. It's just fucking weed, man. You've you ever seen somebody be aggressive or loud on no, pot? No, <laughs> like they're just chilling. Leave them the right. fuck alone. Exactly. It's nuts. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the David Spade story, L.A., New York, now, and more. So there's a new series out you guys are missing. You need to check this out. It's something special that just blew my socks off. It's the story of a man who's living with two women in an apartment under the assumption that he is a homosexual. Jack Tripper stars alongside Janet and Chrissy in this amazing comedy known as Three's Company. Mr. Furley, Mr. Roper, and don't forget Larry at the Regal Beagle. Come enjoy yourself and find out that Three's Company. And we are back. Cool. So you've told me the story. You just brought it up, and I am so glad you did because I'd forgotten, and I loved it. Talk to me about the David Spade story. Well, Spade was a comic when I started, so he was about a year ahead of me, and I started out in Arizona, out in Phoenix. And so, and like I mentioned, he had some props and different things, and one of the things he used to do is um, he had these weird little funky sunglasses that were like rectangular lenses. They were mirrored rectangular lenses. And um, 
he would put these sunglasses on and he could make a funny expression with his face and he looked exactly like Tom Petty. And he would just put the glasses on and go, hey everybody, Tom Petty. And he'd do a weird thing with his face and with these sunglasses, he looked like Tom Petty and the audience would laugh. And so then we all started telling him, um, we ought to go the extra mile with it and go to the carpet store and get some samples, get some big thick shag carpeting of like a sandy brown blondish color and cut you out some big mutton chops and then get some double-sided tape and then put your mutton chops on <laughs> and then put on your sunglasses and you'll really look like Tom Petty. And I'm like, oh, matter of fact, I'll get you the hat <laughs> from the Pack Up the Plantation video where he dresses the Mad Hatter yeah, from yeah, Alice yeah. Wonderland. So when I was a senior in college, my school, Auburn, played in the Sugar Bowl and we all went to the ball game and the bellman outside the Marriott Marquis in the French Quarter wear top hat and tails. Mm-hmm. And there's these gray top hats with a big burgundy band around the center of my old school fa- fancy top hat. And so our team, Auburn, won the ball game and my friend decided he was going to run by the bellman and snatch it off his head and see if the guy would chase him and just keep the hat just 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 to do it because you're 22 and an idiot in college you know <laughs> so well, we all strategically place ourselves where if the guy chases us we're going to do the old step in front of him like we're looking the other way and accidentally bump into him but yeah the guy never chases him so my friend snatches off his head and runs so we keep the hat for a couple of years so i still had a roommate back in college and i told spade when he started doing this impression i'm like i'm gonna call back to auburn and get him to send me the hat <laughs> and so they had the hat they sent it out so now spade's going on stage he's putting the mutton chops on with his carpeting on his face he's got the hat on he's wearing the glasses he looks exactly like patty so flash forward like uh four years maybe he's on saturday night live spade's on saturday night live as a cast member they're doing a music video reenactment, sort of like a We Are the World thing with a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And there he is in full-on petty regalia, just like he used to do on the open mic nights back in Arizona. And he's wearing my hat on Saturday Night Live. And I was laying in bed with my soon-to-be ex-wife. And, uh, and we're watching Saturday Night Live. And I go, that's my fucking hat! Oh, my God! That's my fucking hat! And she goes, no, it's not. I'm like, fuck you, it's not! That's my goddamn hat! Like, like it's not my hat. And so, I, uh, he, I, I, didn't, I hadn't, hadn't talked to him in a couple of years at the time, but we were both in New York at the same time. And so, I called her, I, I got a hold of him somehow, and then I invited him to a barbecue, and um, he came over to her house. She had a big, massive backyard, and he came over to her house wearing the hat. He came to the nice. barbecue. I go, Spade, she doesn't believe that that's my hat. So he goes, I ain't putting on the other petty shit, but I'll bring the hat. So oh, he, that's awesome. He, he came, I didn't he came know. to the barbecue and wore the hat the I whole didn't time. know that part of the story. I just loved the fact that you're in bed screaming, that's my fucking hat. <laughs> and then you're getting caught. That's not that's your not your Don't be Who crazy. I'm like, yeah. come on. We've been dating three years. I'm going to make up shit now. <laughs> Why would I say that if that's not my hat? That's New York, though, man. Weird uh, shit like that happens. L.A., too. And I was just out there. I'm like, fuck, man. This is cool because this shit happens here, too. But New York, it's just a different level because everybody's out and just on top of each other. It's more compact, right? It's more on top of each other. Yeah, L.A.'s too spread out. It is. You got to travel for your weirdness. You got to really want it, yeah. But it's out there. Totally. Oh, yeah. It's out there for sure. Yeah. I used to go, when that movie Swingers came out, I would go to some of those bars out there just because they did it in the movie. The the, the Formosa. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Hell, yeah. Some of these weird little hole-in-the-wall joints. I'm trying to think of the China Genghis Cohen. Genghis Cohen. Genghis Cohen, because Jews like Chinese Because a Jewish, food. right. Oh. <laughs> wow, man. So, and it was like a 
coffee bar, Chinese place, had an open mic in the back, like almost a beatnik with the bongos guy. Wow. But the food was delicious, but, but there was also a little scene there. There was some, Somebody might do a poem, somebody might play a song, some dude might tell a story, but Genghis Cohen. Didn't in, make it. In the late 80s in, uh, in L.A. They didn't, it wasn't, it's probably not there anymore. Damn, I wish it were. That sounds hilarious. What's the what's the women scene in the bar like compared to New York, L.A. to New York? What, what's your take on that? Because I, I, I went to bars out there, and just real quick, I, I met a girl at a bar who was from Mass., and then I went to another bar and met another girl from Massachusetts, and right. it was just water seeking its own level, and they were cool as shit. Okay. But then we went to a, a club, and there was this gorgeous blonde woman walking around, and this guy's puppy dogging her everywhere, body language wise. Everywhere she goes, he's just chasing her, chasing her, chasing her, and she keeps running away in a different direction, but not running away like get away, you creep. Just kind of running away like I, I can't fucking read this. They know each other. I'm just not sure how. So I finally found a moment where he went to the bathroom just for my own morbid curiosity. I went up to her and I just said, excuse me, I'm shit at reading body language. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. I was going to talk to you earlier, but I don't want to step on any toes. Is that your boyfriend? And she went, oh, oh no, no, he is not the boyfriend. No, I, uh, and I'm like, oh, oh, you're paid for. Yes. <laughs> just walked away. <laughs> it was kind of like, I'm in LA. Fuck, I forgot this shit goes on here. Oh, well, my favorite, when I was in... There was a place called the Monkey Bar, and, and it was rumored that you know, like Don Henley and Jack Nicholson and somebody else equally as cool, all had went in and bought this place. You know. Okay. So my apartment for a while uh, in Beverly Hills was all. I was me and my wife were the youngest couple in the building. Everybody else was retired and seventy-five and up, and so. There was a pool on the roof, and every time we go up there, we thought we had the whole place to ourselves. And there, we met one guy that was roughly our age that lived in the building, and he was the manager of the monkey bar. So he's like, look, I can get you in. It's one of those whole, they're going to stand there with the rope and eyeball everybody and be super fancy and weird about it. And he goes, look, I'm Ron. And so so I knew the manager. So whenever we wanted to go, we could go over there, and Ron would let us in. Mm -hmm. And Harry Dean Stanton would sit at the end of the bar, openly rolling joints. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, op openly. And he's putting tobacco in there, and he's sitting there, and he's just smoking away. It was one of the last few, even though the smoking ban was just in effect at that time, they still, there were still four or five bars around LA that they knew it was okay to smoke and the cops weren't going to come in there and bother them. So that was also another reason why people went there. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we would go there and sit there and watch what you were saying. Yeah, who's bought, who's paid for, who's an actor, who's on their way up, who's on their way down, you know, and this, that, and the other. And, and uh, that was always a very interesting play, the monkey bar, you know. And every now and then, Jack, you'd see Jack every now and then, and everybody's always trying to talk to Jack. Jack don't want to talk to anybody. No, he's the fucking king of cool. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> fuck there, all that. Sitting there talking to Harry Dean Stanton. And but then, the, people don't realize this shit. Harry Dean Stanton was Johnny Depp before Johnny Depp. Like, that's the coolest motherfucker. He was just low-key, chill, like, but had that kind of, like, I don't want to say flamboyance to him, but the, a little bit of it where he just didn't give a fuck. I like this style. I've always, and I feel like he's totally unsung. Oh, yeah, he's one of the greatest character actors, absolutely. Completely. You, you know, absolutely. I, the, my only monkey bar story is I went to the, uh, I, went, I, I had to go get something out of my car, and at that moment, uh, my, my battery and my remote died. So mm -hmm. my car is locked up and the alarm's on and I don't have an extra one and I can't get in the car. I, I've got to go to the dealership the next day and get another remote and come back. Otherwise, you know, my car, if I try to jam it or do anything. So this is like when fobs first came out yes, and they were defective. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. And so, and I'm livid and I'm, I'm blaming, I'm cussing and stomping around and my wife 
goes inside and tells Ron, the manager of the monkey bar, he goes, go out there and calm his ass down and, and just tell him we're just going to have to tow it or do something, just suck it up, but come back in here and have a drink and tell him to calm down. And I'm like, this goddamn town, oh, you, wouldn't, I, you don't even need a car in fucking New York City. Who the fuck needs a goddamn car? Much less put a car alarm. Fuck this city. This goddamn pile of shit. You can't, you got to drive everywhere. And I'm stomping around. So here comes Ron walking out with a giant glass of tequila. And he just puts his arm around me. And he's walking me back across the street to go back in the bar. And, um, and at the same time, I kind of noticed, and I'm still cussing. At the same time, I kind of noticed out of the corner of my eye, Mick Jagger is standing there holding the door open for both of us because we're all <laughs> approaching the door at the same time. So he's just doing the courteous thing and just step back and just holding the door open. And, uh, and I'm like, this fucking goddamn. And then he goes, he goes, hi, Ron. And Ron's like, hey, Mick. <laughs> and so we go walking past. And then I stop for a second and I do the double take. I'm like, and uh, Ron goes, uh, Vic, Mick, Mick, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, how you doing, man? And Ron goes, he's a little upset. Uh, his his remote died and his car's jammed up. He can't get in it. It's all locked up. And Mick Jagger goes, how is that the city's problem? <laughs> because all I was saying was, fuck LA, fuck LA, fuck LA. <laughs> Mick Jagger just providing perspective <laughs> yes. everywhere he goes. How, how is that the city's problem? <laughs> I'm like, you're right, Mick. I'm, I'm, I'm all right now. <laughs> this is another reason we must both be narcissists we get along so well I'm fucking totally indignant with all that shit too motherfucker oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. New York, you don't even need a goddamn car in New York I know it was, yeah, it was completely I was so mad you know that was such a weird bar though and the other monkey bar memory is uh, Ed Begley Jr okay he's got some kind of bicycle car thing that he rides around. He's right, because he's super green, yeah, he's right? he's super yeah. green. So he would come he would come rolling up in this thing <laughs> and everybody would go outside just to see it because it was such a bizarre <laughs> contraption. So every now and then you're like, Ron, the man, my friend, the manager would go, Ed Bagley's about to pull up and like two or three people would get up. And, oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, you got to see this. He'd come, he'd come up all dorkified out with his helmet on and his and he, would he roll in like everybody's oh, yeah, he, coming to see how cool this is? Or would he roll in like, guys, stop fucking making yeah, he, fun yeah, of me? Yeah, no one really knew. He's, he's like, yeah, yeah. And he'd just get out. But he would, <laughs> he would give it to the valet. And then the valet would have to pedal it around. <laughs> it's like solar. And like a panel on it. It was like the weirdest. Oh, I know. love it. But he's coming across Laurel Canyon on this damn thing. He's no coming, shit. Yes, he's, he's on the highway. I mean, well, on the streets like it's a car. That's the thing, man. Some of these guys, they just don't give a fuck. And I respect the hell out of that, too. It's kind of like he's doing him. Ed Bagley Jr. That was my only, that was my LA bar there for a while. If I had one, that was monkey my, bar. Yeah, the monkey bar. And that's gone too? It might probably so, yeah. It yeah. was on, it was on, um, I think it might have been on Melrose somewhere. Okay. But, you know, but yeah. Cool strip, man. I don't think I ever spent much time on Melrose until this last strip. And I'm like, fuck, this is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of little funky jobs yeah. over there, yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool area. So you're back in New York. You've been here 20 years. What's going on? I mean, Uptown is, what, two blocks from your house? Block and a half. At the time, block yeah, and a half. Yeah, yeah. And you had some crazy shit going on there. Well, that's just my local. Yeah. Yeah, that just became my local. Has that been your local? Since yeah, yeah. Well, the Victory Cafe, there's a high-rise on the corner of 90th and 3rd. Mm -hmm. And that's literally 50 feet out my front door. And okay. It was a one-level, it was a one-story building. It was a cop fireman bar called the Victory Cafe. And they were open until 4. And uh, there was always a whole bunch of hoodlums and weirdos. 
you know, and even though it was a cop fireman bar, there was like this Jamaican dude that cooked like curry goat on the weekend. He'd come in and, and he's only cooking at like two in the morning until four thirty in the morning. He's setting up a steam table with the big aluminum pans. Right outside the bar? Inside the oh, bar. In it. They okay. in the no bar. They, they didn't have food. So they would let him set up his own little Jamaican buffet thing. Nice. And it's only because he's selling all the cops and firemen's Coke because he's the Coke dealer. <laughs> he's not amazing. Because I'm like, why are we having food at two thirty <laughs> in the morning? And they're like, just shut up. He's, <laughs> He's in here for a reason. <laughs> it's, it's such a bizarre. And every now and then they'd, they'd hire a little band to sit in the corner. But there's there's a whole, it was all the after hour neighborhood weirdos were in the Victory Cafe forever. And then you were not afraid of anything because it still was a cop fireman. Sure. Bar, yeah. You so can speak. But that was one of my favorite places forever until, you know, then then they somebody bought it out and they built a 30 story building on the high rise. So did that kind of correlate with Uptown's opening? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody, everybody started kind of drifting around and going down there. Okay. Yeah, because Third's still not really much, much of a bastion for bars. No. And every, no, no, no. everybody's getting priced out. That That's is true. there. Right, right, right. So you would wander up the street to like 94th and go to Kinsales. Yeah. That's the so, Irish bar. Which is the, another one that's sadly gone. Yeah, it's, it's named something else now, yeah. I think. But yeah, that was a crazy place in there, too. People were falling off stools. and. <laughs> I want to hear dirt before my time on Uptown. Anything crazy come to mind? Not Back. really. It was because, no, not, not that I can remember, you know, because... It was just crazy and weird. They didn't like me because I was always reminding them that the previous places, I'm, going, I'm like, you'll be closed in six months. <laughs> You're the fucking mu- old Muppet man in the corner. Just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, this place then is Why dope. are you in here? Because it's, 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 it's the closest one to my house. That's why I'm in here. Because I enjoy watching failure. Yes, I do enjoy watching failure. Yes, Try another gimmick. <laughs> Try the photo booth. Get the photo booth and... Uh, <laughs> It's the thing where you put your face in the picture and, you're, and you look like the strong man at the beach and, you know, yes. blah, blah, blah. Another expensive fail, sure. But I'm trying to think of, yeah, bar-wise, you know, we would just hang in the comedy clubs because the, the, the front of the comedy clubs are always bars. Mm-hmm. So the comic strip bar was a good hangout bar and guys would be in there till 2 and 3 in the morning writing jokes and talking shit and drinking for free. Okay. And, and that, that shit, that might be the oldest place on the Upper East. How long has that been there, right? 40-something years. Yeah, fuck that. They have to have, Probably. The, have the belt at this point. But he mentioned Rathbones earlier. Yeah. I, there, there was there was stand-up in there for a minute. No it, shit. Like one night a week. When comedy was raging in the in the late 80s, early 90s, almost every bar would have a try comedy night. Just one night. Just See, like, it was like karaoke. <laughs> but know? I don't get that. I saw somebody reading a newspaper this morning on the train, and I was kind of like, how the fuck do these even exist anymore? Like, I see how those would get phased out. I still love holding a newspaper sure. when I want news, which I never do. Right. But I would understand why they would be phased out. Why the fuck did comedy phase out? I don't understand why that's not still a, just a, a boom. It was on TV too much, I think. It literally became, you know, when I started doing stand-up, if you met somebody and said, you know, what do you do? You're like, I'm a stand-up. They're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. What's that like? And then within... Within four or five years of me doing it, no matter where you were in America, you might meet somebody and go, what do you do? I'm a comic. Oh, my brother-in-law's a comic. Uh, <laughs> Everybody. So it's just oversaturation. There was, there was 900 television sh- A&E, the A&E network alone had like four different comedy shows where they're just, they had Caroline's Comedy Hour, Comedy on the Road, uh, Evening at the Improv, and something else. But they, they, there was just comedy everywhere. Gotcha. And it got oversaturated. Cities that shouldn't have a club had clubs. And so then it just blew up. And then by 93, it, it all crashed. And then the clubs that stayed open are probably still open to this day. But places, you know, there's like Dayton, Ohio had two clubs. Shouldn't even have one. Why are there two doing it? Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
It's just such. A, I've never heard anybody say that they went to a, a fucking horrendous stand-up show. Personally, like oh, I know a lot of people. Oh, no, there they exist. They totally like, do. Like and top bad to ones. bottom soup horrible, to nuts, horrible, bad. Horrible, horrible, yeah. Because a lot of these chains out in America, when things would start going wrong, they would lower the budget and then give away a free ticket. So now you're giving a free ticket to the dollar movie, okay. basically. And okay. Then, and once you start, once you start taking away the quality of the show and letting somebody do 45 minutes and got any business in doing 25 minutes, then people do leave and going, "I'm never going there again." That was goddamn horrible. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What What about the guys? What's your take on the guys that are? Uh, kind of pushing tickets in Times Square. That's so sad. Yeah. It's just hard. I think so too, but I'm just, I, like like I said, I've never been to a show that was bad because I only go to shows that I'm like, oh, fuck, I know this guy yeah, or I want to see sure. this guy. They, now you, they make you bring people to get on stage, so it's sort of like pay to play, and that's the thing that also started when I didn't live here. During the time I was in L.A., that started. I didn't know anybody, so I would have never gotten on stage. I wouldn't have been able to bring anybody. Yeah. We, we went down, and if there were 15 spots and there were 30 of us to go on, they put the numbers in a hat and drew your number out, and that's how you got on. But the crowds were all New Yorkers, so they were smart. And they were as diverse as the New York population is, but they were sharp and smart and funny and cool, and you could take chances and do anything you want. Now you got those guys barking those tickets in Times Square. You get a lot of tourists, and they'll lie to people and tell them anything. They'll go, oh, yeah, Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld are going to be there tonight. They've not been near this club that you're part of. <laughs> they don't know <laughs> it They've exists. not even driven by it in their cars. <laughs> you know? And so I was, I was in Dangerfields once, and a family came walking in, like a mom, dad, and like a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old, because the guy in Times Square told them it was, that there was like clowns and balloon animals. Oh, Oh my God. Stuff that my mom would enjoy. <laughs> the goofy <laughs> stuff. Show. I did I did three stand-up shows ever, and the first two were bringers. The first two I had to bring people. Sure. And it was like all exciting. People were like, oh my God, you're doing stand-up. So I got a lot of people to come, and it was fun. And the, the last one I did was at Caroline's, and it wasn't a bringer. And the guys that were on stage with me on, on that particular night, had been doing bringer shows for fucking years. Oh, and they sure. were looking at me like, what do you mean? This is your third show. And there was this weird sense of, I didn't understand, but I saw in their eyes that they'd been having to bring all these people and do all this crazy self-promotion oh, for yeah. so long. And it's like, I, I couldn't do that. Like the novelty of it at first got me friends and family to come. Yeah. But after that, it's like, I couldn't fucking do that to people for there's three people, years. They, there's people that tinker around with it, which I also abhor. Right. Know, which is why I got out. And I was like, this is a fucking craft. There's a business. Um, there's a real rich businessman guy. He, he's like in Forbes and stuff. He's written, written up. His name is David Moore. And, and, and he just does it for fun because he can pay all of his rich friends to come. He can make them come. Yeah. And he goes on, a, he goes on stage in the suit and all of his jokes are about, you know, he went to Harvard and all this other stuff but he's just doing it for fun but he's you know he but he's just tinkering around with you know there's this, this doctor guy used to come in all the time this really young good-looking doctor guy and he i hated him i stayed on him all the time because i'm like you're trivializing my profession you're a cardiologist you're making six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. you work at mount sinai get off my dick stop coming down here <laughs> You know, this, this is my stinky, seedy bar world. This is not your world. Don't be coming down here. Right, exactly. Here. You're not going doing biopsies you tomorrow know, morning. Like, right. You're not fucking dabbling in his shit. That's nuts, man. It's like, uh, what's his name? Fuck. Dolan. James Dolan with his little piccolo and his guitar playing fucking opening acts for MSG <laughs> when he's got big. It's like, yeah. Dude, fuck off. Come on. Right. What are you doing? You're either awesome at this because you've learned a craft and you can book shit on your own. Yeah. Or you're fucking not. Well, there's a whole bunch of, yeah, there's a whole bunch of all those weird, you know, the Bacon brothers, you know, Kevin Bacon and his brothers, they tour. Do they really? Oh, yeah. Billy Bob Thorne's got a band called the Boxmasters. But are they, they, like, I I feel like 
and it's not necessarily my shit, but I definitely respect it, and it's good. What Jared Leto was able to do with 30 Seconds to Mars is oh, kind of sure. like, right. motherfucker, you are yeah, yeah. something special. Oh, yeah. That's cool. But if you can't hit that level on each side of things, stay in your lane, right? Oh, I don't even, right. Yeah. Exactly. What are you That's doing all. down here? Right. That's all it is. It's fucking madness. So what do you have going on now? You said you're on the, on the road with Madigan. I'm on the road. And uh, Ron. And then just doing the city. It's kind of, I'm just, you know, looking forward to it getting warm again. So, yeah. So I'm just, just hanging out. Every year's different. So right now... I've, I've got stuff on the books through probably uh, July of this year. Yep. And then, then we'll, I'll go to Nantucket in July, and then I'll just start working on the fall and blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah, anybody interested, the Nantucket Comedy Festival. Is it the Nantucket Comedy or Nantucket Stand-Up? Nantucket, Nantucket Comedy Festival. Yeah. It's just a benefit. So it's really fun, though, but all the shows are great. So. It's a blast. They do so much cool shit over there. We were there last year, and it was phenomenal. It's rich people. As Bob Lee from Sports Center says, it's the annual running of the white people. <laughs> <laughs> I think just being on Nantucket, though, it's like, it's just such a fucking blast. Just it's, relax. Well, if you can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, it's, I guess. It's a niche market. Yeah. You're either paid to be out there, you got to hook up out there, or you're, you're making shit. Well, that's, yeah, that's probably the, the highlight of my summer is doing that every year. But then it's, it'll just be road. I'm going to Minneapolis and Phoenix and uh, going to Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. Um, I'm going to Cincinnati. I got some corporate gigs where, you know, just blah, 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 the usual, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Cool, man. You want to plug anything before we rock? I just did, I guess. Go to my website, vichenley.com, because my schedule is, is on there. So it's got my calendars on there. So if I'm not on the road, I'm here in New York City, and just check your local listings. Comedy Cellar, Gotham, Comic Strip Live, Caroline's, Dangerfields. Hell yeah. Wherever they do it. Cool. And if you're listening and you're uh, coming to New York or here already, come hang out at the Two Door Tavern. I'm there Thursday through Sunday nights. Vic pops in. We can both harass you and bully That's you true. and we can make up stories and trick all, you yeah we have all, all kinds of fun <laughs> shit that was that was one of my favorites man <laughs> we've pulled some good scams yeah we definitely have our fun at the bar <laughs> you gotta make that time pass man <laughs> exactly <laughs> enjoy it while it's there well it's a pleasure man thanks for coming in oh anytime buddy my yeah pleasure. tons sure. of love and everybody thanks for listening please Visit our social media, specifically Instagram. I'm working on Twitter, but it's at Tales Barside, T-A-L-E-S-B-A-R-S-I-D-E for Instagram. And uh, subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. This shit's free. Leave us a rating or review and subscribe, and we'll be forever in your debt. Tons of love. Be good. And thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. Be sure to tip your bartenders and tip us by subscribing, liking, leaving us a review. That stuff helps like hell, and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. Hope you enjoyed yourself, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.